Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bonnie. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to your Monday. Thanks for joining us in the studio. Clark and I are here talking about John chapter 8 this morning. Clark, before we get started, Hmm. before we get started. Yes. What about, so we've been in John now for a little while. What about the book of John? is just like illuminating for you. Like we've talked about this before. We really like the book of John. What yeah. like specifically, let's talk about for a couple minutes. I think John is my favorite gospel and okay. I like the comparing and contrasting that he does okay. between just light and darkness, good and evil, kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. Yeah. You see that even like in the beginning of this chapter when it says yep. at dawn, like there's little notes and yeah. Um, details that John adds in that have to do with light and dark, like mm-hmm. you're saying, that kind of offer a different, a little bit different lens as you read it. Yeah. And so that's fun. And it's a different kind of writing because John has no parables. 40% mm-hmm. of this gospel is just in Holy Week alone. So we just celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, almost half the book is just the final the week. Yeah. You know, so that's a lot. That's a lot dedicated to Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I just appreciate that. I mean, it's going to be fun preaching it this year. We're going through the signs of oh, Jesus right. right now, looking at the the miracles that he did. And then in the fall, I'll be preaching on all the I am statements That's right. out of John. Out of John. And so that really sets the Pharisees off when he basically goes back yeah. and says, you know, burning bush, <laughs> I am who I am. He says, right. I am. And they're like, wait, you're claiming to be God? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. And so that's this fall. Really excited about that. That's um, good. I love the book though. You see that? Yeah, we're going to talk about that even here, though. The Pharisees folks are getting... Oh, stinkers. Being stinkers. (laughs) So the the first part of this chapter, you'll notice if you're reading your Bible, it might be italicized. And that's because Mm -hmm. the earliest manuscripts did not contain this... Couple, these couple of verses. Okay. So when this happens, what historians and the early church fathers would do was look and see, what is the content and how does this compare to the rest of the gospels right. and scriptures or anything contradictory. Does it line up with who God is and who we are and what mm-hmm. it says about heaven and hell and sin and uh, righteousness, all these things. Yeah. But then what's interesting about this pericope is that they found this on like thousands of other manuscripts just a little bit later. And okay. so you'll note that even like in some of the manuscripts of Luke, it's just inserted. They just don't know where to put it. Okay. But it seems very likely that this truly happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It lines up. There's nothing crazy about it. Yeah. It's just where are we supposed to put this in the Gospels? Okay. And so John put it here, but that's why it is in italics in okay. your Bible. And I, for one, um, think it should belong there. I think you can study this and go, this this fits. Oh, yeah. It's oh, okay. Yeah. I think we need to get up in arms about it. But uh Yeah. Okay. Well, let's break it down then. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Do you, cool. What's what interesting at this okay. time is there's an Old Testament law right. that you catch someone in adultery. So you have to catch them in adultery. Don't <laughs> let your mind wander too far. But you right. have to have multiple witnesses too. Okay. And when yes, you catch the person in adultery, you have to have both persons who are caught in adultery present when judgment is is given. Yes. So you'll notice right. in the story, a woman is dragged who said she's caught in adultery to Jesus, but the man is nowhere to be found. Exactly, just the woman. Yeah. And you're going, what kind of creepy Pharisee and Sadducee mm-hmm. was hiding out some woman's house, looking in the window, trying to find her? So you could just tell the stinks of yep. scheming and planning and right. premeditated. Mm-hmm. 
And what's so interesting though, is as I read this, if you watch the Lent devotionals, Mm -hmm. this is kind of what I talked about. The Pharisees and Sadducees get Jesus as he's in the temple. They drag him out or her into the area. So you're in the religious worship circle. circle. And imagine (laughs) someone's getting drug in, like a prostitute being drug into your Sunday church service in front of 500 people, whatever it was. Going, she committed adultery. Mm -hmm. Like talk about tension. And it'd be an awkward, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And so there's Jesus, this woman, and all the religious folks. Mm-hmm. And in my head, when I envision this, I envision Jesus coming and positioning himself in between the sinful woman and in between the mm-hmm. Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who upheld the law. Right. Now, when Jesus bends down to write in the sand with his finger, the, the Greek word to write is graphene. Okay. But in this text, it is kata graphene. Kata means to go against. So he wrote against something. Okay. Doesn't say what he wrote, but right. what Jesus tells them is whoever is the first yeah. without sin, mm-hmm. you can throw the first stone. And then he gets mm-hmm. down in Kata Graphene. He writes against. Mm-hmm. So my theory, which seems very um, presentable to me, is that he wrote their sins out in the sand, most likely. Mm. Starting with the eldest and the most righteous of the Pharisees down to the, the youngest Yikes. and most yeah. the, the rookie. And they dropped their stones and they walked away. Mm. So, But if you picture it, I envision Jesus like being in between the right. law and in between the sinful woman. Yeah, Almost like if you can see me right now, I'm not sure if I fit in the whole frame. It's like the cross. Like yeah. already you see a picture of the gospel of Jesus coming to insert himself yeah. to save the sinful person. And, and take the law upon himself. He's not getting rid of it. He's basically saying, I can take this. And mm-hmm. then he goes to her after everybody leaves and goes, hey, um, has anyone here to condemn you? And she's like, no. So he's yeah. like, I don't condemn you either. Go and leave your life of sin. Yeah. So that's just this beautiful invitation to all of us that Jesus has inserted himself in between us and the law. Yeah. And said, I have fulfilled all of it for you. Mm-hmm. I've paid the price that you should have paid. Now there comes responsibility with this free gift and that's... Right. Go and live your life of sin no more. Leave, yeah. Leave it. Mm-hmm. Go, follow me. And so that's just a beautiful imagery of Jesus inserting himself in between these two groups of people, right. saving the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever pictured that. That is really beautiful. Yeah. That's just how I envision like it playing way. out in my head. Yeah. I like at the end too, because you kind of think like that it's, if this is like teetering, like, oh, Jesus is teetering, that like, he's so gracious here. Like, let's not forget, you know, like there's something going on that's that's not helpful mm-hmm. here. Like, but dude, it's so gracious. But then no, it's an even scale of grace and truth, or, yeah, yeah. you know, of justice because of what Jesus says at the end. He doesn't say, hey, you're good to go. Go do whatever you, know, you want. Yeah. Just, I'll, I'll see you again in a couple weeks. Or, no, no, yeah. actually. And so just remembering that last part of it, that's like, it's the... We hear that also in John that like when you're when the sun frees you, you're free now to walk away mm-hmm. from sin. Like so, so do that. So walk away. So it's freedom from. And so we sometimes take the freedom and we we insert like entitlement that we're we're entitled and, and we're free to do whatever we want or you know insert something where really it's this picture of freedom from like you know now you don't have to live like this. We, you understand that this is a weight that, you know, we make decisions, um, based on patterns and our lifestyle and, and, and on chance and random things too. But now like drop all of that and, and now walk in freedom. So I love that. 
Yeah, and then what happens the rest of the chapter now is Jesus yeah. continues to go toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, and they're so mad, and it's yeah. just dispute number one, right. dispute number two, dispute number three. Yeah, They're disputing who Jesus is, Jesus' testimony, and then who the real children of Abraham are. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't back down from any of them, really. Mm-hmm. And so the first part is they dispute Jesus' testimony. Jesus basically says, I'm the light of the world, mm-hmm. and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Yeah. And again, there's that um, compare and contrast. Like I said, I love about John. Yeah. Light and darkness. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I am from above, you are from below. He's like, there's this connection between God the Son and God the Father. He's here to glorify him. Yeah. He's here to do his will, and the Father has already glorified the Son. And so you see this beautiful relationship back and forth mm-hmm. that you know, exceeds that of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the law and the witnesses, kind of alluding back to what just happened with the woman. And Jesus essentially is like, you want to know me? You know the Father. If you want to know the Father, get to know me. Right. And people were not very excited about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of then transitioning to like that second part of di- disputing over who Jesus is. Right. I love that Jesus, again, just reminds them, I am not of this world. He then transitions right. to like, I'm going to talk to you about judgment. And then he pulls out the card, son of man. Because if you've been with <laughs> us at Emmanuel, you know, that's the beginning like the of this year. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Daniel mm-hmm. is referring to the messianic figure, the king, the one who's going to bring about salvation as right. the son of man. So Jesus is dropping, I am. Right. Already sets him off because it's alluding back to the burning bush and Moses. Then he says, I am the son of man. So he is alluding mm-hmm. to multiple Old Testament passages where he is saying, I am God. And right. it, it just, it, it makes him so angry. One of the little things I love about verse 23, before we move on to the last dispute, is it sounds like this, but he continued, you are from below, this is Jesus. I am from above. You are from this world. I am not from this world. That's one of those things, um, like I'm just picturing that old song, like in my father's house, there are many rooms. Yeah. And one of the things too that I that we talk about the, with our kids is like why Jesus is the only way is because he's the only one that has done this. Yeah. Like he's the only one that has descended and ascended. He is the only one human and ever. Is and is coming back. Gonna descend well, again. He has to do that. He has yeah. to for judgment, but also because we don't know the way. Yeah. We know the way in him, but so that way we come with we go with him to the to the house, to his father's house. Yeah. So the only one. And so that little that little verse kind of made me laugh that it's like it actually is kind of just a practical truth to like we don't know where to go. But but in Jesus you do because he is the way, but also because we're going with him, because yeah. he's prepared a place. And so then as the story goes on, that's kind of where there's a more division now. It's not just about division with um, who Jesus is, but now it's who who are you? Yeah. Like, who are the children of Abraham? He turns it back on them. And and it gets ugly. Oh, it does. <laughs> this might be, you know, after the woman what? caught adultery, my next favorite part of the passage. Okay, Because why? I just love what Jesus, again, says about himself. He said, if you want to know yeah. me, the truth, the truth will set you free. Yeah. He says, if you're abiding by the truth, that's right. going to make you a child of God. Yep. And so some of us mm-hmm. um, think we need to earn it or we're striving or we're trying to attain. And, and Jesus is basically saying, when you repent of your sins, you mm-hmm. believe in me. When you cling to the word of God and what is true, right? he said, your positioning in the kingdom and the supernatural yeah. shifts. No longer are you a sinner. Mm-hmm. That's like your title. You're not a sinner. Now you become a son or daughter of God. Yeah, And that's amazing. But it comes back to living life according to 
to the scriptures and the word. Mm. They all point to Jesus. Jesus is glorifying the Father. The Father is glorifying Jesus. Jesus gives us the scriptures so that we know the truth. The yeah. truth will set us free. We'll become children of God. And this is what he says to them in uh, verse 35, 36, 37. There's a transition that no longer are we a slave to sin right. because a slave has no permanent place in the family. Mm-hmm. A son or a daughter belongs right. to it forever. Mm-hmm. If the son of man sets you free, you'll be right. free indeed. And you'll know then that you're Abraham's descendants. But you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Mm. Comes back to the scriptures right. going, you want to follow God. You want to do these religious yep. things, but you will not submit to the word of God. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I got uh, on a phone call with a gal who is ex- experiencing demonization, actually, like okay. in real time. And it's heartbreaking. I told her, usually like spiritual warfare happens under kind of two circumstances. One, it is a devout follower of Jesus who's having a fruitful ministry. And the target on their back just grows, grows, grows. And Satan's like, I got to take them out because they're causing me problems. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, it's someone who's in the world that has completely opened themselves up to the kingdom of darkness and has not submitted to the word. There's been no room for the word in their life. And so as I talked to this person... It was interesting because I can see they're torn. They have some worldviews, some political Mm -hmm. ideologies that I would say are very unbiblical. And um, I just invited her to consider spending time in the scriptures and allowing God to guide and navigate her healing. Mm. But if she doesn't want to do this according to God's word, I had to tell her, honestly, don't expect there to be much change in your life. Right. I think you'll continue to be tormented. Mm. And it's just interesting because you can see the wheels spinning and you're like, I wonder what it's going to take for someone to repent, surrender, turn, yeah. surrender to yield. Yeah. And that's where I go back to, again, the work of the spirit. I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, soften her heart because it, it looks like in her own power, she can't soften her own heart. Right. And uh, that doesn't all make sense to me, but I know we pray and say, Lord, would you do a, a miraculous work here on this person's heart? Remove the heart of stone, give her heart of flesh. Yeah. Because this tormenting mm-hmm. is evil stuff. It's mm-hmm. dark. But if you can make room for the word of God in your mm-hmm. life, you become a child of God. You'll submit yourself to the way of Jesus. Right. And you'll glorify him and he'll glorify you. Yeah. Because you're part of the family of God. Yeah. So. Well, I think I that's got. what ends up happening too, is essentially they kind of part ways because after this conversation, then Jesus makes more claims about himself when they're like, oh, well, we're actually going to flip it back on you and you're the one that's demon possessed and you're the one that's listening to the father of light. Like just total 180. Classic, here. yeah. <laughs> Classic. Accuse someone else of the thing that you're doing. And well, it's so interesting because this chapter, you can just see how you used the analogy like cat and mouse, but it really is. Like even with the woman and just mm-hmm. kind of how it all started. Kind of and it's like, there, oh, what's yeah. he going to do? Trying to catch him. And then yeah. next, like what's he going to say? And then now at the end, there's just accusations. No, you're this. No, and it's like, oh, okay, wow. And then I, um, you you mentioned this, but at the end, he mentions how um, the son glorifies the father and the father glorifies the son. And that's what Jesus says about himself. So this is the end, close to the end. This is verse 54. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. Hmm. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. And so that's the other, the the entanglement of hearing and doing. 
that goes back all the way. That's woven throughout scripture all the way back to the Old Testament also is there is a word in Old Testament scripture that means um, you we receive it as hearing, but really the definition is entangled with doing. I can't think of what it is right now. Talking it's not game? shalom. No, it's that, the Old Testament word. Oh, from the Shema? Shema. Okay. And how, so back in Deuteronomy six, it's the same type of imagery. That's like when we hear, we do, there isn't a separation. And so I love that Jesus brings that up. It's not, it's not a separation between me and the father. And there's not a separation between hearing and doing. If you're in Christ, then Hmm. you are living in Christ. And there's can, you know, there's no condemnation, but there's conviction sometimes when we have to shift and pivot or repent, or there needs repairing somewhere. But the relationship and the mutual um, leaning on each other of, of hearing and doing is is there and it's present in your life in Christ. And so <laughs> it kind of ends, um, it, it ends prickly. I'll say this still. So this is the very end. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Boom, Boom. goes the dynamite. Yeah, this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. There you go. So I, what I love about this passage too is there's so many... Um, kind of nods back to the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. You have, yeah. I, am, I am, back to the burning bush. <laughs> yeah. You have the son of man in Daniel. And yeah. then he's referring back in verse 56 to Abraham. Abraham thought about this day yeah. by faith. Mm-hmm. You know, he believed. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham didn't know Jesus by what name. Coming, yep. He didn't know necessarily everything we do now, but he believed in faith that a Messiah yeah. would come and that through Abraham's line, the whole world truly would be blessed. And, and then that's he lived out of that. what Jesus yeah. did, you know? And mm-hmm. so... I love the scriptures. It's good. (laughs) It's good. So, hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. We hope that you yourself will read John 8, find somebody to chit-chat and talk about the chapter and what stood out to you. Yeah. And uh, we encourage you to stay in the Word. So we'll be back with you on Wednesday and Friday to talk about John 10 and John 12. Until then, God bless you. Bye-bye. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.